Hi, and welcome to our podcast. My name is Nikki, and I'm with Ting Ting, Simone, Joanne, Lizzie, and Anna. So for our discussion today, we're pulling information from our class literature of political education, Black politics and education reform in Chicago since the 1960s, um, written by Elizabeth Todd Breelan. Although the book goes in depth on many different topics, we wanted to focus ourselves on a few topics, such as Black voices needing to be heard, parental involvement in the protests for their children's education, as well as community organizing. Excuse me. So, um, Black families um, in general have been carrying this image of um, poverty and um, lack of education. And actually, that's um, down by the insidious um, systematic uh, institutional racism. Um, so, Early on at 1965, there was a report called The Negro Family, The Case for National Action, also known as the Moynihan Report, um, stated that um, in relation to schools, they blame black mothers and families for black inner city students' educational struggle and um, so by this, they mean that it's the family's report um, fault that they can't um, orient the family towards um, education. So the students are failing is not because of the school, but because of the family. But on the other hand, um, a black scholar, Robin D. G. Kelly, have once said that we wanted to find a refu uh, refugee where black people exercised power, possessed essential knowledge, educated the West, built monuments, slipped under the stars on the banks of Nile, and never had to worry about police or poverty or arrogant white people questioning our intelligence. And that's what real um, black um, African-Americans think. And I think that it's just uh, institutional racism have um, put that image of they can't be educated on them. Um, there are many statistics throughout the book that express the lack of representation of people of color and the constant struggle they face while fighting to be heard. In chapter three, more towards the beginning of the story, it says, by 1968, the CPS student body was nearly 53% black, while the teaching force was still less than 34% black. To fight against segregation and lack of representation, in 1968, there were black-led boycotts. This resulted in the inclusion of black studies curriculum, um, changes to facility, and more black administrators. According to page 146, in 1980, less than half of Chicago's population was white for the first time since the city was incorporated. And in 1984, black teachers outnumbered white teachers for the first time. Unfortunately, with Daly in office in the late 1980s to 1990s, talked about on page 186, there was a law passed that made it easier to outsource school positions and services, eliminating reaching positions and dramatically limiting teachers' ability to strike and bargain over issues beyond wages and benefits. There were a few times in history where people of color made steps forward, 
but many different factors such as politicians reverse their success. I definitely think that people of color today are still struggling to have their voices heard and make advancements for their benefit. Yeah, so taking all that consideration, which is so much, you know, as Joanne said, like, this is truly just institutional racism and historical racism, um, working within our schools, uh, particularly in Chicago, uh, something that we as a group are so interested in is um, parents and how parents are involved in this with uh, activists and particularly, you know, people like Rosie Simpson, who, uh, you know, this is a working she, uh, working class single mother, uh, but also a labor organizer. And so much of her parenthood really uh, took place in her activism. And something we're so interested in is like how black women, not only from the position of black women, but from the position of mothers and community leaders really informed how to improve their schools. And, you know, I think that really leads to creating institutions like the Institute of Positive Education in 1969 and wanting to embrace community control. Um, you know, also other uh, black uh, women like Sonia Walton and Barbara uh, Sizemore, Sizemore and Lily Peoples. I mean, uh, they. I think it's that culture of motherhood and activism within those communities that really inform this history and how to fight against it. Okay, uh, thank you, Simone, for that. Um, and thank you for bringing us to the topic of mothers. I'd like to talk about parents overall and specifically reference the meeting that happened in January 27th. Because while watching it, I will notice that the presenters um, mentioned URLs throughout. And they said, well, parents can go to this URL and find this information. But that, to me, implied that parents would have the time and the access, especially for non-speaking parents, non-English-speaking parents, I mean, it implied that they'd have the access to these videos and to the URLs or even the time to um, like access this information through the video or through the URLs. And to me, that's a problem because that's not true, especially... Um, with like Latinx parents, um, because from from my experience from um, people who I know, the students get this information about like going back to school from their teachers, and then they're the ones that tell their parents about this information. And so along the way, passing this information from person to person, a lot of information gets lost, and I think that parents are not well informed because of this. Um, so yeah, that, that was my take on this, uh, we'll talk about parents. Yeah, talking about parents' involvement, um, uh, and also, um, there's community control where the um, parents or just African-Americans in their neighborhoods, they want control, um, power. Um, to control their own school and their community, so they can they can have um, access to better education. So at the 1974, there is um, a new school opening. It's called NCDC, the New Concept Development Center, which is uh, a trial of community control and incorporating an Afrocentric curriculum. Um, but the reality is still 
not ideal. Multiple issues like lack of money, lack of quality teachers, and semi-problematic curriculum are all appearing in the school. And there were even constant conflicts between teachers and、uh, parents. But、um, parents still. Chose to send their kids to the school because it's、um, opened.、Um, it's run by、um, local community, and and actually, lots of the parents are involved in the development of the school. Like、um, they、uh, work on、um, uh, half shifts, and then they also、um, after work become the teachers in the school, and then. Um, but the efforts, yeah, the efforts and the results in doing such a try is tremendous. After the influence of NCDC, there are more schools run by Black community, community and upholds Afrocentric curriculum opening during the 1990s and 2000s, such as the Barbara A. Sizmore Academy Charter School, which is still open nowadays. So I was actually curious about、um, this kind of issues on an international scale.、Um, I wanted to ask Tingting:、um, Is there any kind of things like this going on within Chinese culture and Chinese education, or was it not really apparent back there? Okay, this is a really great question. Well, based on my own experiences, that. There is no like racist issues happen around my community or even my friend's community, but you know, but like the south of China, there are some poor cities that、uh, they have really like more international students come in to study or to work, and people come to travel to the big cities like Beijing or Shanghai, the essential cities.、Um, it's like. In their cities, there are some international like schools only for、um, the people who from different countries, and I think that is like what happened in this book. As the students, teachers, or parents, they work for they all work for their right、uh, in like different cultures, and.、Um, For example, they have like different curriculum than the Chinese schools. They have teachers from different countries to talk about their cultures rather than only Chinese teachers to teach. And uh, also um, for some other Asian countries, like in Korea and Japan,、um, they all have this sort of international schools, like work for the students and the parents from different countries. Thank you,、uh, Ting Ting, for that. That's I, I really love that we're kind of rounding this out not only within Chicago but within the international context. I think that is really wonderful. Thank you, everyone, for all your thoughts and、um, information on、uh, this book, A Political Education. Uh, to kind of like end down, just summarize, you know, as Joanna was talking about、um, how studies like the Negro Family, the Case for National Action,、um, 
affected schools in the sense of blaming black parents for the issues happening that happening that are really at the fault of greater systems of power failing uh, black communities and Lizzie uh, going in about the lack of representation of black teachers, you know, as myself and Anna talked about, um, you know, directly black teacher involvement alongside with parents and how those two intersect. Um, I think we just wanted to end this podcast um, reflecting on just how um, substantial Black women were to the activist movements in the 60s all the way to today, uh, to current activism happening in CPS. Um, and, you know, this history is so important because of how it's reflected into today. Um, so I wanted just to thank everyone for their uh, inclusion and for their thoughts and for their words. Um, and yeah, if everyone wants to say goodbye, we can close up and do that. So thank you for listening. This was wonderful and great. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> awesome. Bye.